You are listening to the Blockchain Dialogues podcast. All views expressed on this show are for educational purposes only and not meant to be taken as financial advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blockchain Dialogues podcast with your hosts Krishna and Nikhil. In this podcast series, we analyze the various cutting-edge technologies and projects in the field of blockchains, distributed ledger technologies, and cryptocurrencies. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about a project that describes itself as the Internet of Blockchains, a project that many consider to be a key piece of the puzzle to making blockchains interconnectable and practically feasible in the future. We are, of course, talking about the Cosmos project. Cosmos is an open distributed network of interoperable blockchains powered by the Tendermint consensus algorithm. So in this episode we're going to be looking at what the Cosmos project is, a little bit about its history, how it works, its various pros and cons, and how it compares with some of the other projects that are trying to do the same thing, that is connect different blockchains together. So with that Nikhil would you like to start off with a brief overview of what Cosmos is uh, a little bit about the team behind it and why the project is significant for the blockchain space Sure okay okay so Cosmos is one of the uh, older projects in this uh, space it uh, it was started by uh, a couple of guys Jake Wan and Ethan Buchanan and uh, they started it as Tendermint so Tendermint started in 2014 and the term tendermint actually refers to kind of multiple things so it's a little confusing there one is the company so they refer to the company that is building the software for cosmos and for uh, is as as tendermint uh, then there is also the actual tendermint core okay uh, and then finally there is the tendermint consensus algorithm uh, the tendermint consensus algorithm is the underlying protocol which is implemented by the tendermint core and uh, the tendermint core itself is kind of like this modular library uh, at least in the initial days it was a uh, library that you could use to uh, build a blockchain and plug in the consensus part of your blockchain uh, they used uh, so from the from a uh, analogy perspective we could think of a tendermint kind of like the tcpip protocol uh, the low level protocol of the blockchain and uh, cosmos is maybe the uh, uh, idea or the vision it's the world wide web that is uh, built on top of this tcpip protocol right uh, so the vision for cosmos is that uh, just like you had uh, 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 in the internet you have multiple uh, intranets or isps that are connecting to each other and then that whole Connect, those set of connections basically form the internet right um, same way uh, the idea for cosmos would be this uh, network of multiple blockchains that connect to each other and are interoperable right uh, so this has been uh, uh, been going on so in 2018 early 2018 they started work in earnest about uh, on on launching the cosmos network and they launched the cosmos network in march 9 13th uh, 2019 uh, and they, what they launched is basically known as the cosmos hub so it's a basically an initial hub and the idea is that uh, this would be a blockchain that acts like kind of a router between the first uh, set of blockchains that come online right so uh, this cosmos hub would be a way for these uh, you could connect to the cosmos hub and then uh, from the hub basically you could connect to the other blockchain that you wanted to uh, 
talk to. Uh, so there's another concept here which is the uh, obviously the communication protocol between blockchains so it's known as ibc uh, the inter blockchain communication protocol and it's a module that they have built uh, so if you're using tendermint uh, as the basis of your blockchain uh, of the of the custom blockchain that you're building then this is available as a module that you can plug in uh, and the idea there is that uh, using this protocol, they can uh, two blockchains can be aware of each other's latest state and then start pa pa passing packets of information. Uh, and uh, right now, initially, the packets of information basically is about how many tokens are being transferred to what blockchain and to what account. It's mostly around the tokens. A uh, couple of other things that you need to talk about is the Atom token. Uh, so the Atom token is. Uh, at least from the uh, cryptocurrency and the speculation perspective is considered to be the currency of the uh, Cosmos hub. But if you actually look into uh, how the Cosmos founders and how the Cosmos people refer to it, it is purely considered a staking chain. It's a way for you to kind of uh, sh show how much stake you have in the Cosmos hub blockchain so that you can actually uh, uh, participate in the validation and or delegate your stake to validate uh, to validators so that they can participate in the uh, POS uh, the proof of stake part of the uh, uh, Cosmos Hub. The main competitor for Cosmos Hub is Polkadot and uh, we'll get into uh, the differences and uh, the working of Polkadot a little later. So would it be a fair comparison to take a project like Cosmos and, uh, you know, compare it with some of the other projects like Lisk or EOS, you know, which, which work on the model where uh, they have a main chain and then this main chain is connected to many different side chains. Uh, would that be a fair comparison? Like, are, are they looking to solve the same problem? Uh, not exactly. So, uh, so the vision with, uh, say, EOS or Lisk, or even Ethereum, uh, because layer two Ethereum now you have side chains. Uh, but the the difference between Cosmos and all of these is that uh, Lisk and EOS and all have very clear and very defined uh, contracts as to what uh, members what what becomes members of their particular blockchain, right? So in Lisk and EOS you have the code, in Ethereum you have the virtual, Ethereum virtual machine and uh, uh, all of them basically are running on the same code basis so uh, even if it is an ethereum side chain you're essentially running an ethereum client and the ethereum virtual machine and uh, uh, basically the uh, difference essentially is that you're built this uh, uh, contract that uh, kind of lays out the way in which you are doing your consensus and you're doing managing that so they are able to come so this actually gives them a disadvantage because you are able to communicate with each other very seamlessly because it's all on the same uh, code base so to speak uh, the key design goal of uh, cosmos network was to facilitate independent heterogeneous blockchains that still able to communicate with one another now the way they are starting to go about it is very gradual so they've started and they said okay fine we will have uh, we will distribute this tendermint uh, uh, software, the Tendermint core and basically as a, a, a software development kit and uh, you, you can build your blockchains using that and it will make things easy for you but it is still possible uh, to actually uh, uh, write your own business rules, your own software uh, uh, completely separate and as long as you follow the protocol 
uh, for uh, uh, the IBC protocol, the interblockchain communication protocol, you should be able to theoretically work with the Cosmos Hub, right? Uh, so, uh, a, a concrete example of this essentially is that uh, there is a couple of uh, other Cosmos blockchains. So, there is something called Iris uh, Net, which is a blockchain based out of China. Uh, I think they have built using the same technology stack as the Cosmos Hub. So, they are using Tendermint pro protocol, they are using the same libraries and everything. But they are entirely separate. They are targeting the Chinese market. Uh, they are being managed separately. They have their own schedule of uh, release, etc. But and and essentially the idea they have the thing the thing that is uh, uh, cool about Cosmos is that when Iris Net chooses to and when the IBC protocol is uh, they can use this IBC protocol module to communicate with the Cosmos Hub or any other Cosmos blockchain network and then immediately that they are interoperable. Great. So with that, I guess let's go into how Cosmos actually works. Uh, so as Nikhil mentioned. Cosmos runs on the Tendermint Proof-of-Stake protocol. Tendermint is just a provable Byzantine fault tolerance protocol that is used for building blockchains. So for listeners who are coming across the term for the first time, uh, in the field of distributed computing, there's something called uh, the Byzantine generals problem. In a very short snippet, uh, it basically describes a system where a set of distributed participants in a network can agree on an information being true or not. So if they can provably agree upon a piece of information to be correct, the system is said to be Byzantine fault tolerant. Uh, so as we mentioned earlier, the goal of Cosmos is to be the internet of blockchains where many different blockchains can communicate with each other and data can flow from one blockchain to another, pretty much like uh, a hub and spoke model, you know, where uh, Cosmos is the hub at the center and other blockchains are like spokes connecting to this hub. So in terms of terminology, uh, there are four main parts of Cosmos that one needs to know. The first term is validators. So just like other uh, proof of stake systems, valida uh, validators are the nodes responsible for committing new blocks, similar to how miners are in the uh, proof of work ecosystem. The second term is called the hub, which is nothing but the connecting blockchain, you know, to which all the uh, zones or all the other blockchains connect so that they can work together. Uh, the third one is what is called zones, as I just mentioned. Zones are these different blockchains that are looking to exchange data among themselves uh, and they all connect themselves to the hub, the central hub, which is Cosmos. Uh, the final term is uh, Atom. Atom is basically uh, the currency that runs within the Cosmos hub. So uh, basically, you know, Atom is the, it, it, it's the name for the coins that you need to hold in order to hold a stake in the Cosmos hub or to do any voting within the Cosmos Hub. So these are the basic terms in the Cosmos ecosystem. Uh, so with that, Nikhil, can you go into the details of how Cosmos works and you know how it achieves this goal of connecting these different blockchains together? Sure, thanks KK. So that's a great introduction into uh, distributed uh, Byzantine fault tolerance and distributed uh, systems. And uh, it, it, it gives a good overview of uh, how Cosmos tackles this idea of uh, uh, of how how uh, the consensus works, right? This is the preferred consensus for Cosmos, but it is not necessarily the only one, right? So, Cosmos has this vision, right? It's this larger idea of interconnecting blockchains to create this network between separate application-specific blockchains that allow them to exchange information, 
so this is the larger vision right but they've been very systematic and very uh, what do you call it deliberate about the way they convert this vision into a reality so for this cause to in order to rea- realize this cosmos vision the tendermint team basically worked on three things first is the tendermint uh, P, uh, byzantine fault tolerant po proof of stake system which is essentially an upgrade of what is known as the practical byzantine fault tolerant algorithm uh, and that that algorithm originally came out in 99 uh, 90s uh, uh, as a solution for byzantine fault tolerance and uh, the way the uh, addition that they did is that they used proof of stake and some other features so that you can work it can work with a p2p gossip protocol you can identify the bad actors change the proposer of the block randomly etc so it kind of made that uh, the original algorithm was limited to a known set of nodes and kind of like a private uh, set of uh, uh, nodes this now actually tenement can be is a, or the upgrades basically made it open for you can actually have it as a public network uh the second piece is the cosmos sdk right or uh, you could also call it the tendermint core it's essentially a toolkit that allows you to build your own app specific blockchain now this toolkit basically allows you to build uh your own code uh, it is uh, you can actually write it in it is written in golang itself but you can write uh, write a code on it using java or uh, python or go and uh, it is kind of set a, kind of makes it easy for you to create your own blockchain uh, for your own specific needs and then the third piece basically is the uh, ibc sidechain protocol right it's not exactly a sidechain protocol it's an inter blockchain communication protocol it allows you to move assets between chains so right now the uh, inter blockchain communication protocol is focused on assets or tokens being exchanged between chains uh, but it's being built so it can be used in multiple existing chains so one of the main challenges with this is that you have chains that uh, for the most part uh, they can be multiple different consensus algorithms right you can have a proof of work, a proof of stake uh, or some proof of lapse time or something else right so how we need a protocol that actually can uh, work with all of these but the primary problem is that some of these uh, algorithms uh, consensus algorithm especially like the proof of work consensus algorithm has a pro- pro- probabilistic finalization right so uh, the what, what do i mean by probabilistic finalization uh, what it means is that uh, built into the design of the proof of work uh, uh, consensus is the fact that it is theoretically possible for a fork of that uh, chain right so there will be multiple forks of that uh, of a, of the chain uh, running at the same time and there is a probability that the longest chain might shift right so there may be a block that you have appended to uh, what you thought was the longest chain and you know sometime later uh, the uh, another chain actually becomes the longest chain and in which case everybody shifts to that one and your block goes away right so there is a probability of doing that happening of that happening and which is why basically in proof of work uh, protocols like btc or bitcoin people tell you right you wait for six blocks 
so that uh, you know the chances of that happening become negligible right so this is a problem when you are trying to do interoperation interoperable uh, communication right because uh, the other chain basically might have uh, you know information about one particular block on one particular fork and then there's no guarantee that that will continue to be the same right so if it switches then the uh, you know the other block the other chain basically becomes out of date or gets incorrect information so it's a lot easier to work with proof of stake type uh, consensus algorithms or bft type consensus algorithms where there is a quick finality and there is a finality to the degree of one so once a block is added into tendermint say right tendermint once a block has been added and it's been validated it is finalized right that that block will not be changed it cannot be changed so there is no concept of okay there is a i mean if there is a failure uh, at that particular time that entire uh, chain is forked it's a failure mode it's not part of the design right so uh, it is not an expected condition that okay a block has to be taken out, can be taken out so this makes it easier for inter blockchain communication because now i know that okay when a block has been added it's been added and then i can uh, you know move move forward and get uh, accept tokens based on that particular block right so this is the primary uh, challenge around uh, ibcs so they've uh, but obviously you know a lot of the large chains one of the biggest the biggest parts of the uh, blockchain world essentially is bitcoin and ethereum and uh, you cannot ignore them so uh, Uh, Cosmos has this concept of what is known as a peg zone, uh, which allows uh, it's kind of like a hack back into blockchains that can't or support the inter-blockchain communication protocol, uh, which don't have which don't have the finalization required, right? So, what a peg zone is essentially is 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 like a customized blockchain, which does the translation from this probabilistic model. into a finalized model from which then you can do ibc into other blockchains in the cosmos hub right so the tendermint team currently is working on an ethereum peg zone and they have some other partners that are working on btc and uh, ripple as well okay so so this is basically how cosmos plans to actually create this or realize this larger vision of a interconnecting blockchain network or the internet of blockchains that they're calling right so uh, like i said they've been working since 2014 they've been very deliberate uh, they came out with their main net in uh, march 31st 2019 so their main net essentially is considered to be a what they call the cosmos hub so this is uh, a blockchain by itself it has its own cryptocurrency called atom and uh, it's a proof of stake blockchain and uh, they are up to 100 validators in it they they support up to 100 validators and it is using the tendermint protocol right and uh, what the use of this blockchain essentially is that it allows other blockchains which have right now which have tendermint and potentially when they are done with the peg zone stuff which 
uh, which have other other consensus as well to connect to that hub and then the hub basically the uh, connect cosmos hub basically helps translate or helps them connect to other uh, blockchains that are connected to the hub so at a, in a in a kind of an analogous way of thinking about this uh, uh, in uh, the in the internet an analogy right so we have uh, multiple internet service providers why do we have an internet service provider uh, you could theoretically if you know my ip address and i know your ip address i could theoretically wire a uh, ethereum I mean, Ethernet uh, connection between you and me directly, why, uh, and I can, I can, we can just communicate with each other, right? Directly. The reason why we have an internet service provider is because they take a lot of the hassle out of it, right? In order for me to do that direct communication, I have to dig a hole and I have to, uh, uh, you know, make uh, buy the wire and connect my from my home to your home, and then. Potentially, if I have uh, multiple friends and each one of them I have to connect to individually, right? So it's like this uh, network that you have to create. Whereas if you go into an ISP, the ISP handles all of that, right? It, it basically sets up all the connections and you just connect to the ISP and the ISP then routes, you, routes it for you. And then in a global sense, basically, ISPs then connect to other ISPs and so on and so forth. So this is basically the idea of the hub. Sorry, go ahead. All right. So just a quick question. Uh, so when the internet actually began, was it something like this? Like uh, how yes, you have different actually it uh, blockchains? And exactly, it was. So if you if you look back in the back in the day, right, uh, in the nineteen seventies and sixties. So before the internet, it was something called ARPANET. Okay, which right. was a Department of Defense mm-hmm. uh, uh, thing. So there, what they actually had was they had uh, various systems which were directly, literally connected by network wire, you know, cat, wired to one another. So they had a modem and that modem basically used to directly used to connect to the other machine. The idea of uh, leveraging the telephone systems actually is a innovation on top of that. And even when you had the telephone systems, you basically had uh, uh, you had to know the uh, telephone number of the other guy, right, and dial out to him. Initially, that used to be the thing. So it used to be peer to peer, and uh, then only afterwards, then you had AOL come in, and you know America Online and all of that, where you had this concept. Of, okay, fine. There is a internet service provider, and everybody is connected to this network. And, uh, you know, if you know their IP address or you know their, uh, what do you call it, uh, email, you could send email to them, you could do all of them. Uh, so they had all of them listening to this particular set of centralized servers where all the information was, correct? So that's, that's basically how, how it kind of evolved, right? And now you have cloud and you have all of that. But even today, you don't directly... You, you actually just uh, connect to uh, the closest ISP and your ISP essentially is this large server that basically sits over there and translates your request into an IP address which is then uh, which it then finds out where it is located and then uh, implements a set of hops for you right so I might be sitting here in India and I might be talking to you but the way in which this channel was set up 
might be through multiple servers across multiple countries sure so uh, i mean it would be fair to say that we are sort of in the same stage uh, in the whole you know in terms of the whole blockchain development absolutely absolutely uh, where you know cosmos is going to be something like the isp and <laughs> uh, uh, so that having. so that is what uh, cosmos is, is is also saying right they don't they don't they want to be one of the isps so they have built their protocols and uh, uh, you know the inter blockchain protocol and uh, tenement and all in such a way that uh, you can have multiple isps and these isps can talk to each other right and you can talk to these isps so essentially that they, they are actually building this backbone uh, around where you have multiple blockchains some of them might be uh, you know isp types others might be doing a specific function so like uh, amazon blockchain or a facebook blockchain and uh, basically uh, you want to reach out between uh, them you actually go through the isp or you can directly reach out if you so choose right even today if you don't want to go through uh, an isp right you can theoretically build your own network right that's what companies do internally right when they set up in their in the company the company data center and they connect all the machines together that's their own internal network they're not going through an isp so it's possible to do that and uh, you can in this in this in cosmos also it is possible to create your own private thing and then reach out if you if you're following this protocol you also have the freedom to then basically reach out to either cosmos hub or irisnet or one of the many isps or even directly to what whatever other internet that you want to talk to and uh, basically set up a communication protocol and, uh, and basically set up a channel and then you know communicate between them so coming back to uh, how cosmos uh, hub works and where cosmos hub fits in uh so the we know that it fits in as a uh, uh as this routing blockchain right but how does it actually work so cosmos hub essentially has a, a cryptocurrency of its own called atom uh so this is actually you know not technically a cryptocurrency it's the 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 team likes to call it a staking token so atom is the way in which uh you can participate in the uh, validation process of the cosmos hub so cosmos hubs has primary one of the primary uh, goals of the cosmos uh, hub blockchain is to uh, validate the blocks on the blockchain and uh, it is using tendermint so they need to have a set of 100 validators uh, and the way they, that works essentially is that the top 100 validators with the most amount of uh, atom basically get uh become the validators and then uh, uh, periodically that is changed uh and uh, you can delegate your uh, atom to any particular member to become uh, so that they become validators and then uh, essentially every time you do any validation you get fees and the fees basically is your incentive to uh, put in your delegate uh, put in your uh, money so one of the interesting things about uh the tendermint uh, uh, you know the atom uh, economics of it is that uh, once you have delegated or you have sta- uh, staked your keys uh, staked your atom with uh, a particular validator and the validator starts doing its work and basically starts 
you know approving transactions and adding blocks uh, there is a uh, period there is a staking period uh, of 21 days right and if during this 21 days if any one of the transactions or blocks that the uh, validator is uh, added to the network is uh, identified as malicious or wrong or uh, uh, incorrect uh, they get slashed so the slash basically is a uh, part of that uh, stake essentially is removed and redistributed amongst the rest of the validator the rest of the ecosystem so uh, this uh, slashing mechanism basically is the what you call it the stick that keeps the validators honest right and uh, the idea essentially is that the 21 days is there so that uh, you know you can build either manual or automated mechanisms to figure out if a particular uh, if the if the uh, you know transactions that are being added and the blocks that are being added by a particular uh, validator is suspicious or uh, malicious in any way is there any specific reason to pick uh, something like 21 days as a as a time period uh, i don't think so i think they just picked it as a long enough time uh, for so since this is early days uh, i i suspect a lot of those processes the automated validation or the automated detection of malicious activity is still immature right so they wanted to give themselves enough time that you know they could figure out even manually if they wanted uh, if if a particular uh, you know set of actors are uh, uh, bad actors right great so i think that uh, pretty much covers in detail you know how uh, cosmos uh, the hub and spoke model actually works uh, do you want to quickly touch upon you know some of the advantages and disadvantages of the approach that cosmos has sure so uh, one of the things i like some of the things i like about cosmos is that they've been very deliberate and very uh, measured about their movement right so jaquan has done a great job in uh, uh, communicating the intent and communicating what is the vision and uh, been very uh, very good documentation uh, clear about what what is what is uh, the vision of what cosmos and uh, how he wants to how he wants to move forward with it uh, there is a lot of moving parts but they are taking it up one at a time and uh, in my opinion it's kind of a realistic view of the future because if you look at that analogy right if you look at internet uh, or if you even to look at other analogies where you have networks being built right the hub and spoke model where you have you know a few isps like this and the multiple blockchains from multi- uh, uh, in uh, using multiple technologies wanting to communicate with each other seems to be a realistic thing right Uh, another thing is that since they've been working on this since 2014 and they've been progressing steadily uh, they have a first mover advantage and uh, they've built up a pretty good uh, team and they have good marketing and uh, that that particular advantage is there for them the third thing uh, is uh, you know like i said earlier they've gone into mainnet so they've really started their mainnet in march and uh, so this is actually the first uh, blockchain uh, project of its type right this connective interoperable blockchain project of its type that is in production 
so they have that particular thing as well going for them so it's it's the it's they are the first into production uh they so they have uh, been seeing real world uh, usage and uh, i think their ecosystem is also pretty good uh, if you look at uh, some of the projects that they've been uh, the, some of the people that they've, they've uh, been managed to bring into their ecosystem uh, they have binance they have loom they have a multiple they have multiple good uh, pretty good uh, uh, set of uh, projects that are uh, working on the cosmos network so binance is actually building a decentralized exchange on on top of cosmos yeah yeah so the uh, my understanding essentially is that the binance decentralized exchange is built using cosmos technology stack and uh, that uh, you know eventually they would they would might want to leverage the uh, cosmos network as well so okay so that's that's a uh, i think the shows the call let's have a look at some of the cons right i kind of felt that you know from 2014 to mainnet in 2019 took them a long time and uh, some of the initial days they weren't very clear about what they wanted to do right uh, especially during the tendermint years before the cosmos came out i think that is uh, resolved now but still there are some lingering questions around uh, you know scalability of uh, tendermint and stuff like like that the other main challenge i see over here is the tenement consensus mechanism itself uh, so the idea of a 100 validators right so in order to have a 100 validators you need to have that much activity in your system if you look at cosmos hub right now there may be five or six validators right so we are still they're still very early nascent stages right now and it's a very delicate time if they if they they need to actually get beyond this before people start actually you know putting some trust in them because right now with five validators it is pretty easy to attack the system right you can uh, five validators colluding or even if you have like two of them colluding it's a pretty big part of the system right uh, obviously there are uh, ways in which they can uh, they have a governance system which is good they have a governance system worked out where you can fork your chain away from it but still uh, at this point i think it's a little delicate and it's early stages so that is one challenge uh the other thing major challenge i have is from the perspective of what exactly they are focusing in terms of interoperability so right now they have said that their long term vision is to have interoperability between data but they have actually said that aside and they said that right now we are just going to focus on token exchange so you can basically have interoperability of tokens so tokens from one uh, blockchain can be used in another blockchain and vice versa and things like that which i feel is if you look at the competition which is polkadot um, or ethereum uh, it's actually kind of limiting because you know you take the side chain idea or the lisk idea eos or polkadot itself all of them basically allow you to exchange any kind of data and that's uh, and that that kind of opens out a larger uh, set of functionality so yeah so those this is what i think would some of the main cons with cosmos having said that i think i'm a little more bullish than bearish about cosmos i think they have a great uh, 
vision and uh, great it's something that is realistic and needs to be done uh, yeah but uh, i guess they say the proof of the pudding is in the eating so let's see how how they actually handle their uh, growth of their network right so now moving on to competition you know we know that cosmos is not the only project that's trying to achieve this uh, there's some competition you know from for example polkadot uh can you briefly compare the approach of cosmos versus polkadot you know to to connect these different blockchains together sure so polkadot uh, to give you a pretty short uh, description is a is a project by dr gavin wood who is one of the co-founders of ethereum uh so basically uh, uh i i can give you kind of a, at a high level essentially the uh, polkadot basically has this concept of a main chain and a parachain so uh, the, the here so in here in, in polkadot basically the there is the main chain where uh, all the validation and the uh, consensus is, is done and uh, uh, basically the parachains essentially are these blockchains uh, that are attached to it uh, which do not have their own consensus or their own uh, mining or any, any of their own kind of uh, algorithms around consensus uh, they just depend on this main chain to do that for them so the security of the network essentially is on this main chain so uh, uh, so all of these blockchains then send their blocks to the main chain and the blockchain main chain basically has uh, does the validation and uh, uh, adds it to the ledger so obviously this allows them to be a lot more uh, interoperable because essentially all of this data is in the same main chain right uh one of the challenges obviously is that it is not that scalable because all of these play chains now all of the security of all of these chains are on the main chain so uh, polkadot basically has currently set a limit of 100 parachains and uh, they have uh, this uh, idea of uh, uh of a global mechanism to maintain this so the, the 100 parachains essentially each parachain essentially has a slot for this in polkadot and uh, the validators uh, basically choose which parachain to uh, work on based on the amount of dots so polkadot's uh, currency is known as dot and the amount of dots that you put in basically buys you a slot on one of the 100 parachains now uh, finally the uh, uh, just like uh, the cosmos stk or the uh, tendermint uh, core Para- uh, polkadot has this uh, uh, software development kit called substrate uh, and the interesting thing about substrate is that it is based on what is known as the web assembly so wasm web assembly is a concept uh, that is actually uh, come out from the browser wars the browser world so uh, it's kind of like the next generation uh, way of doing programming on the browser and they have taken this idea and this particular set of uh, code and kind of brought that into polkadot which is really cool because it allows you to kind of it opens out uh, polkadot to be programmed in multiple languages any language that basically can that the uh, web assembly supports 
and uh, the other thing about it essentially is that uh, since this, uh, it is this already sandboxed in within the browser's security model, uh, it can be considered to be more secure because you have all the browser developers also and the security uh, audits also happening around that. So yeah, so this is kind of like the main comparison I'd say. Uh, so uh, f first is that you know you have local versus global security in Cosmos. It is local. Your every blockchain has their own security and their own uh, consensus. Whereas in Polkadot, that is a global security that is done under the same. And then there is a governance mechanism. Great. So I know we touched upon the uh, you know pros and cons and uh, you know all the advantages and disadvantages that you see with the uh, Cosmos network. Uh, can you give us like a brief final summary of you know what you think about the project as a whole and uh, how you see the path forward for Cosmos? Sure. So uh, I think like I mentioned earlier, uh, I think uh, they have uh, Cosmos uh, has come a long way, but has a long way to go. It's at a, a delicate stage right now where the bootstrapping of the network without, uh, you know, getting attacked or, uh, and, uh, you know, maintaining the decentralized character of the network uh, and essentially attracting uh, chains to join them. Uh, these are all challenges that they have. I think they are still working on their IBC protocol. So that's also another thing that they need to get done quickly. Uh, Incidentally, so one of the interesting things, or one of the things I liked about the way they are approaching the mainnet uh, release is that they actually actually created a, a testnet, right, where they invited all the potential validators, so the people who had expressed interest in building validators for their mainnet, uh, to participate in this testnet and create in, in what is known as a game of stakes. And, uh, uh, the idea was that, you know, whoever uh, does the most number of validations and has got the highest reputation uh, basically gets a certain amount of atoms. And these atoms being the staking coin, that gives them a proportional share in the mainnet. Now, what actually happened over there is that, uh, so they had this KYC mechanism put in place so that uh, all these validators had to do their KYC and only then uh, they could participate in the contest because obviously uh, they're giving away Ethereum uh, atoms, so that's a uh, price, so that's a, there's a money aspect to it, so they wanted to do the KYC. But uh, there was another group of people uh, called Bitfish. Uh, I think they're based out of Korea, okay, Asia somewhere. And that actually came up and they used their relatives and uh, friends and to sign up and created this uh, set of validators. Uh, that was initially, I think, uh, a little less than a third and then very quickly went to up to like 55% of the chain uh, of the validators uh, in the thing. And then, you know, they became, they started doing, effectively, they, they became the largest uh, uh, con uh, consortium, right, uh, the largest cartel inside the inside this game of stakes uh, uh, network uh, so so this is this is this is a classic attack but what was interesting essentially is that you know as this as soon as they started doing this people some folks figured this out uh, they publish publicly published it and uh, they said you know these guys are doing a cartel let's fork and uh, you know almost as soon as they said that uh, within like 24 hours of saying that 
the whole uh, network forked and slashed uh, these people. So Bitfish basically effectively lost their stake. And, uh, uh, you know, that kind of uh, left a bad taste in the mouth. There were some learnings from it. One of them was that, okay, KYC is not in entirely effective. The other one is basically is that, okay, you probably have some kind of core dialogue or initiate some kind of dialogue with these people before just forking away and uh, slashing their money. So that was, that was one thing that I uh, I found interesting and uh, I think that kind of proved also proved out in my mind a little bit of the, uh, you know, governance and uh, resilience of the Cosmos network in the, how they dealt with attack scenarios or failure scenarios. Uh, another one that actually happened very recently is a security incident. So uh, remember an earlier, I'm not sure if I, if you remember, I had talked about this idea that okay, once uh, uh, once you basically stake your chain, uh, stake your atom in a in a, in a validator, uh, you could not re-delegate that those atom to another validator for 21 days, right? Right. And uh, that actually. Uh, was uh, because that actually is a re very recent change. Earlier, actually, what happened was that if you were validator, validators basically stake their own uh, atoms, obviously, uh, and they basically could not re-delegate or change their uh, delegation for 21 days. But if it was an individual who basically delegated their uh, atoms, they were allowed to re-delegate to another. Uh, another validator, uh, if they so chose, right? So one, it, it actually led to this uh, security hack where you know people were uh, basically delegating their uh, atoms to a particular validator uh, node, and then immediately uh, and and doing some uh, and as soon as they did some activity on that node or malicious activity on that node, they immediately re-delegated to another node to another validator uh, and then since that validator did not have uh, had not done any activity they could uh, they could basically pull out the atoms from that validator entirely without having to wait out the 21 days right so this became a security hole they found uh, uh, they wrote some tools and they found about 22 incidents of it and uh, uh, there was a uh, hard fork that was done so that this loophole was closed and uh, again, uh, you know, this was, uh, uh, there were some f findings from it, you know, they decided to set up a secure channel or a secure way, means of contact contacting all the validators so that about these incidents so that, uh, you know, they were all ready to fork uh, uh, at the same time. So, yeah, so, so that's basically one of the things, one of the things I like about Cosmos, I find exciting is their ecosystem, like I mentioned earlier, Binance, this DEX is being built, uh, Loom, which is a pretty prominent project in the Ethereum Plasma chain uh, ecosystem, they're also uh, creating interoperability with uh, Cosmos. So I see that, you know, that, you know, there is uh, not, uh, there are a few other players in the blockchain ecosystem mature players in the blockchain ecosystem who are willing to kind of uh, try out Cosmos and kind of put their uh, development effort at least behind Cosmos, which actually bodes well for Cosmos. All right, folks, that concludes our podcast. 
we hope that you found this episode on the Cosmos project useful. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, MyTuner Radio, and also you can learn more about us on bcdialogs.com. Thanks again for joining. See you next time.